You are now listening to The Sooner Surge. Clear out! Clear out! All right, guys, welcome back to The Sooner Surge. Today we have a very special guest joining us, uh, sports director at KTUL in Tulsa, as well as host of the Plug Live podcast. It's TJ Eckert. TJ, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, guys, how we doing? Appreciate you having me on. Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, I know you grew up in Oklahoma, Bixby guy, uh, played football and golf, uh, but just kind of wanted to get, get your get your opinion. When did you decide to get into sports media? Like, when was that? I know you played sports, but was it something that just came natural for you to get into sports media? Yeah, it was kind of one of those things. Um, I grew up watching ESPN, SportsCenter, all those things, and loved watching the highlights and having random facts about sports. So I was told as a kid that I should do something in, in media, go to you know work for ESPN, kind of a mm-hmm. joke. But um, I really didn't actually consider sports broadcasting seriously until I got to college. I When I started at UCO, I was a psychology major. Oh, wow. And, and took general psychology my first semester at UCO and hated it. I was like, well, that's probably not the right path for me so uh i stumbled into a speech class because it was required uh for you know general general classes at uco and uh was in the mass comm building and and started finding some broadcast classes i liked and then started helping out on the on the broadcast there at uco we had a a daily newscast we did and enjoyed doing that it kind of took off from there awesome yeah, uh, TJ, Hunter Cornejo here. Uh, I go to Sepulpa. I've talked to you a few times on the sidelines this yeah, year Hunter. throughout football games. And yeah. I've been to play-by-play sports broadcasting camps for a few years now. And one thing I've noticed from all the speakers that we get in in Dallas is that it's very rare for someone really even as young as you to be the sports head in your hometown. So it's really cool. How did that happen for you? Yeah, great point, Hunter. It's uh, it's been really cool. It's been quite a blessing to to be uh, working in my hometown, working my home market, and then as you said, and kind of being in charge of the sports department on at the ABC affiliate here. Uh, so I started after graduating college. I started in in Joplin, Missouri, at a TV station there, and I was there for almost a year. And Channel Eight is a is a two person sports team. Uh, both sports guys left at pretty much the same time. And so I reached out to, I actually had a friend that worked at the station. And I reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you think they'd be interested in me? And they're like, I don't know. So I pursued it a little bit further, and I played the, the I'm young and cheap, uh, I'm local, you guys are dead. And I guess they bought it. So I, I got to Channel 8 in 2018 and, and was there for, here for about a couple of years, and then uh, we had a change in leadership in our sports department and they promoted me to the director role. And, uh, right before COVID hit, actually, I was, I was named sports director when I went to, uh, let's see, 2019 would have been the peach bowl in, uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta covered that, that OU game in Atlanta, the LSU game. And, and so it was right before COVID hit. And so that's when I got the sports director title and then COVID hit and kind of screwed everything up. Yeah. So another thing, uh, I'm a senior at Sepulpa. I just got yeah. accepted into OU, going to go into journalism and mass communications as well. Nice. Uh, I've talked with some people. Uh, what internships does KTUL have? 
Yeah, so we our internship program has kind of been, as I said, COVID messing things up. It's it's kind of been off and on since COVID. We used to have interns frequently at the station, uh, maybe not sports specific, but at least in the news department. Uh, I think weather may have had some help too. I remember one year, one summer, when I've been here at Channel Eight, we had a, a guy that that was in the sports area pretty frequently. So. Uh, we still, I, as far as I know, we still do sports internships. Um, for me, I, I interned at Channel Nine in Oklahoma City uh, before my senior year, and so I, I worked with with Dean Blevins, who's there at Channel Nine, been there for oh, a yeah. really yes. well known sports sports figure. And so for me, for me, that was kind of the the, the thing that kind of got my career going was being able to put Dean Blevins' name on a resume. As you guys just echoed pretty much everybody knows who dean is and so oh, yeah uh yeah internships are pretty important hey tj this is brody um being that this is a ou football podcast we kind of just wanted to ask you an ou football question uh real quick um and we didn't get your prediction on the season but i i don't think it was six and six so we just kind of wanted to get what your overall diagnosis on the ou football season would be and there there was many close losses and just kind of what led to that, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, as far as OU this season, man, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, Brent Venable's first year, bunch of new faces in the locker room at OU, both with the coaching staff, obviously, and then and then new faces in the locker room in terms of players. It's it's been surprising, even even when there's been down years in Norman, it hasn't been at least in recent history in my in my lifetime hasn't been anything around 500 there's been years of eight and five uh you know a couple of years eight and five but there really hasn't been anything at or near or under 500 and so mm-hmm. it's kind of been a surprise i think that the main thing i can kind of chalk it up to if i were to if i were to dissect it the, the first the first thing is that you're replacing who's probably going to win the heisman trophy with caleb williams you're replacing the heisman trophy winning quarterback most likely with a slightly above average quarterback with dylan gabriel and that's not a knock on gabriel that's you know everybody's probably worse than Caleb Williams this season so yeah you're replacing uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate with Dylan Gabriel and then you're replacing probably a top five head coach in the country in Lincoln Riley with a really good coach Brent Venables but in his first year so you know OU it's pretty it's it's a different roster from last season 2021 but there's a lot of similar faces and that, that team won a handful of close games and I chalk a lot of that up to Caleb Williams and so that's been a big difference, and then Brent Venables being in his first year, some game management situations uh, yeah. here and there that haven't been egregious, but that's that's pro- also played a role in it, I think. Yeah, the, the game management, you know, it's it's so tough because he's been that defensive coordinator for so long, but you can see it in the games when, you know, he's really trying to coach up defense and maybe should be either on a ref about a replay or something that's a, that a coach should be doing, you know. Yeah, and that's something I think. I think even you can go back. There's probably a lot of parallels and similarities to Bob Stoops' first year, where uh, the records are similar. Obviously, uh, you know Stoops took a team to the bowl to a bowl game, but uh, that team struggled as well. And and I would imagine there was some game management with Bob Stoops as well in his first season in Norman. So as you said, he's trying really hard to, to control that defense, but there there are some things you know when to take timeouts. Uh-huh. Um, talking with your offensive coordinator about, about clock management has been a few of the things. All of those things, as a first-year head coach, will get worked out as you move on. The problem with, with OU fans, uh, <laughs> and that's coming from an OU fan too, 
is that they're very impatient and yeah. very, you know, entitled is not the right word or spoiled is not the right word, but spoiled might be the right word. Think about the, the teams that OU's had just in, in the past decade, all the playoff appearances, Heisman Trophy winners. And so anything anything less than that right now is is very different. And so uh, that that's certainly uh, – Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me, TJ? Yep. Okay. Well, this is uh, Jackson here. I'm a student at Bigsby uh, High School, and hey, Jackson. Yeah. And you know, I've gotten to experience some dominance in football. We can say, <laughs> sure. yeah. Since I've been there since 2014, when everything really started. So speaking of all the success that you've seen that Lauren Montgomery's had, because in my opinion, I think he's one of the best coaches in any sport across the country. And, I mean, that's hard to debate because he's so good at what he does and and developing talent. So could you talk a little bit about just what you've seen from a perspective as a news broadcaster getting to cover them for the last couple of years? It's been crazy, uh, Jackson, especially my my junior season at Bixby – was Coach Montgomery's first year, 2010. Oh, wow. Um, so, wow. Uh, and that was also our first year in 6A. We've been in 5A. 2009, we lost the 5A state championship to Carl Albert. Um, JT Realmuto was the quarterback for Carl Albert. He's now the catcher for the Phillies, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yes. So, yeah, we lost to Carl Albert in 20, 2009. Head coach Pat McGrew retired. Uh, he's now at Sepulpa. You got a couple of That's Sepulpa right. Players. He is. Sepulpa now. Yeah. Um, his son, Tyler. Well, I was a teammate with uh, Tyler. He's a few years older than me, but he's a defensive coordinator at Sculpa. So, yeah. uh, back to Bixby. So, 2010, 2011, our first two years in 6A, we made the playoffs, but there was no split. And so, it was really difficult. Um, and so, Coach Montgomery had some struggles early on. And, and I mean, he, he says that the split is a big reason for their success. They were able to gain momentum in 6A2, uh, gain some, you know, win some state championships, gain confidence, beat Jinx a couple times. Mm-hmm. So now, now them moving up to six A one, it doesn't feel like a big deal because they've been beating Jinx. They beat Union in the COVID year in twenty twenty. Uh, they have been scrimmaging Broken Arrow the past few years. So, you know, there was this thought that them moving up to six A one would be, you know, I think Bill Blankenship from Wausau said it'd be like going to the SEC, and and so in a way it is because you know week in and week out the talent's there. But Bixby's been playing talent for for a couple of years, a few years now. And so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a big surprise to him. And, you know, covering Bixby, it's just such a culture there. You know, the weightlifting program is so big and it's, and the best way I can describe it for people who may not know much about Bixby is if you go in their weight room, they have, it's called club 225 and it's the mm-hmm. it's power cleaning yep. 225 pounds. So there's some people who know about it, obviously. And, he started that in 2010, my first year there, or his first year there. And I bet we had seven or eight guys who could power clean 225 pounds. And so there's banners in the weight room of every class. And now uh, this year's class, I mean, it almost, the banner is almost too small for all wow. the kids that have power clean 225. So, I mean, there's really no better visual representation other than gold balls than that, than that sign, the buy-in and the culture in the weight room. So it's, it's been impressive to follow up. Obviously, as a Spartan, it's been great to see. Um, but just in terms of dominance and maybe one of the best teams in the country, that's been neat to follow them along as well. Oh, yeah. no, that's awesome. Insider yeah. info there, yeah. So, TJ, you've covered a lot of high school football throughout your career. Who are some of the best under-recruited players you've seen in the state? 
that's a great question. I'd have to I'd have to rack my brain for for some of those kids. There's there's a quarterback right now at Metro Christian who I think is has really kind of gone under recruited. Kirk Francis's name, um, and I'm a little biased because I still work with quarterbacks in the area. I give quarterback lessons and stuff, and so I, I help him a little bit. So I'm a little biased, but he's probably the probably the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the state this year. And I mean, you're you're talking about guys like Steel Wassel at Choctaw is going to Akron. You got Chase yeah. Wilson at Rejoice. He's going to uh, was it Montana State? Mm-hmm. So there's there's a few other there's some high level quarterbacks in the state right now, and Kirk Francis is one of them. And I think he's got maybe one or two FCS offers, and so um, he's a guy that's really gone under recruited. Uh, I mean, the obvious one, I didn't cover him, but he, the obvious one, at least for our local teams, was Josh Jacobs when he was at McLean. Um, yeah, yeah, he had he had hardly any offers, and then Alabama offered, and it was like he blew up, and then now of course he's. He's lighting up for the Raiders in the NFL. His brother Isaiah Jacobs really was was fairly under recruited. He ended up going to Maryland, and uh, he's at NEO now and is about to leave. He's gotten some D one offers too. So, you know, the the problem with and especially now, and especially these last couple of years, the COVID again has messed things up for college rosters because guys have an extra year if they want it, and so coaches really aren't recruiting as hard because they have guys who have been in the program for five six years. And then the transfer portal has really has really changed things for recruiting, uh-huh. um, and, and for you know we're talking about quarterbacks, the quarterback position especially because it's so much easier to go get a, a kid who's got two three years of college experience at quarterback than to go recruit a high school kid and redshirt him and develop him. And so I think these next couple of years we'll start to see recruiting really pick up again when the COVID years kind of ended and the transfer portal is, is still hot, but the rosters have, have kind of gotten back to a normal level. So uh, I know that didn't really directly answer your question, but I, I will say that every year there's, a, there are a handful of kids in, in the, in the Tulsa area specifically that really get underlooked because, and I don't know why that is. And you know, we have such great high school football here, but for some reason, coaches and even local coaches OU OSU Tulsa seem to overlook our area yeah that's crazy to me like on how OU really struggles to recruit you know locally and all that and I mean being at games weekly you see some of the top talent really that aren't getting many opportunities so before we get you off of here there's some pretty big games this weekend and you're going to be heading up to Edmond for 6A and 5A uh, state championships so who do you got in those games Yep, going back to the uh, the alma mater for some. Yep. UCL. It's been fun the past few years. I've covered my high school alma mater in Bixby at my college alma mater UCL, so that's been that's, that's been pretty crazy. enjoyable. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, this week we got is you know it starts Thursday night with Metro Christian Heritage Hall. That'll be a fun one. Uh, but as far as six A and five A goes, six A and one Bixby and Owasso, it's. Uh, Bill Blankenship said this week when we talked to him uh, for availability, Bixby's the best team in the state. I think he said bar none is the phrase he used. And so, uh, in, in my opinion, I don't know if it's going to be 49-14 like it was in the opener, but Bixby's just better than Owasso. And it's uh, Owasso's playing really good football right now, just beat Union in a crazy game in six overtimes. Kind of spoiled the Union-Bixby meeting that everybody thought was going to happen at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think Bixby ends up winning that game. I, like I said, I think it's closer than 49. Bixby's just talented, and uh, losing to Jinx probably has just kind of woken him up a little bit. So I, yeah. I think Bixby wins that one. 
Uh, we won't cover 6A2 because Stillwater is not really in our viewing area, and neither is Choctaw. But I would imagine Stillwater wins that game. I think that'll be a pretty fun one to watch. Uh, Gage Gundy's a quarterback at Stillwater, one of Mike's sons, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be. In, I'm sure he'll be in the crowd. So if you guys are there, make sure you keep an eye out for Mike Gundy. He might be in one of the suites, but keep an eye out. Five <laughs> uh, A is interesting. Five A's a there's some there was there's some surprise there. Carl Albert for sure, yeah, day, yeah, yeah. But you know, Coweta was kind of a favorite coming into the to the to the playoffs and, and they lost Collinsville was the defending champ and they were kind of depleted, but they lost pretty early to McAllister. So it's McAllister and Carl Albert, Eric McCarty obviously is an OU commit. Um, and so he's been fun to watch this season. Kids a stud. Uh, it's going to have to be the Eric McCarty show against Carl Albert. Cause they're, they're solid. And, and is he playing? And, yeah. As far as I know, he was hurt earlier. Okay. In the I thought he was out like good after the, injury a couple weeks ago so he he got hurt against Coweta in the regular season and has kind of been banged up but against Collinsville in the playoffs I covered that game and he played pretty much the entire game so unless he's gotten hurt since Collinsville and I don't know yeah it was the week after the week after he was carted off and I've heard mixed things that he may may play though so I'm I'm not sure mm -hmm. yet well and so uh go ahead well I was gonna say oh I have a question have you heard anything about Cole Adams? Because yep, I've heard that, that he could play. That was that was where I was going to go. I was just going to talk about both McCarty and Cole Adams. So Blankenship said that uh, it will take a medical miracle for Cole to play, but he did say there's a chance. So I, I think it's one of those gamesmanship things. Like he probably wants Bixby to think that he's playing, so they'll game plan for him. Um, he, he was wearing pads in practice last week before the Union game, and so. Uh, my guess is he won't play, and if he did play, it'd be very spotty. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be shocked if he played. That's news to me. I've not seen that he got carted off. So that's uh, uh, I'll be curious to see what happens there. Yeah. Hey, last lastly, uh, this is Jeremy. I'm I'm a teacher at Sepulpen, English teacher actually, and uh, so yeah, uh, I, I know Hunter and then family uh, nephew and son who's on here. So it's just cool to talk sports kind of with family and friends yeah. like we do. But uh, I know you're an avid golfer. Uh, I'm an avid golfer. I saw your post about LIV tour coming to possibly Tulsa 2023 with the Cedar Ridge possibility. Yeah. Uh, just curious. I know you, you got the uh, plug live podcast. Uh, what is, are you team LIV or team PGA or what are your thoughts on all that? I am just team good golf. Uh, <laughs> I I have no, you know, the, the big problem with Liv is the backing, right? Saudi, the Saudi money is the backing. That's where everybody gets frustrated and, and turns away from it. And, and I totally get it. Um, and I, and by me liking and supporting Liv golf doesn't mean I'm supporting the Saudis. And I, <laughs> so uh, that, I, I always make sure I say that I, I like the fact that someone's trying to change up golf's format. I like that yeah. people are trying to do something new. I like that we have a bunch of local guys that are playing. Taylor Gooch is there. Charles Howell III went to Oklahoma State. There are some local connections in Live Golf, and I think that's fun to kind of keep up with. And if Live comes to uh, Tulsa and it's and it's still it's still in the works, the deal hasn't been signed yet, but it, it's pretty close. And if they do come, I'm going to absolutely cover it. And I'm going to go watch just because it's good. There's a bunch of good players. Phil Nicholson will probably be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be fun to watch. I, I hate that it's dividing golf. That's what I hate the most, obviously, other than the fact that they're backed by Saudi money. But I, I wish that they would be able to work together in some way. I wish this was like a nice way for, you know, the lower level players to make some money. And then the guys who are Phil, 
riding off into the sunset could make some extra right. money. Like, I wish that they could find a way to make it work. They just haven't done that yet, and I get it. Uh, but if they come to Tulsa, I'll be there. I'll be covering it. Nice. Hey, hey, TJ, you you still shooting the sixties? <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's funny you ask. Yeah, I've I've post I posted a couple rounds in the sixties this year. Um, nice. I, I I've had some also not so good rounds. So <laughs> we need to we need to work on the consistency there. But uh, you know what? If you ask my wife, she says I play too much, so I should be shooting in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, TJ, man, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet, guys. Appreciate you having me on. It was fun. All right, TJ. TJ. Thank you. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate it. All right, make sure and follow us on Twitter at The Sooner Surge as well as Instagram. And please leave us a review of our podcast. Also, you can check out TJ's podcast, The Plugged Lie. Please go check that out. And we appreciate you all for listening. Thank you very much.